Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Scripture reading this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. You may be seated. God is good. See, the kids can do it, and all the time. I suffer from a condition that was diagnosed over 20 years ago that apparently only afflicts men. My mother always thought that I might have had it, but my wife, in fact, confirmed that I do have it. It's selective hearing and selective memory. Anybody else have that? All the time. (laughs) What's funny about that is... uh, There's a scientific reason, at least, for selective memory. Psychology professor Robert Bjork, he said, what's accessible to us is very dependent on our mood state, our physical state, our environmental surroundings, our interpersonal surroundings. While another says, you remember things in selective ways, so your memory conforms to how you wish the past was, for example. It isn't that we're lying to ourselves, but that the original and accurate memory is sometimes destroyed and in its place the more desirable memory exists as one's truth. So probably the only thing that has kept me alive this long has been the scientific justification of why this thing actually occurs. Now, last Saturday we were at my grandfather's funeral and why is he chuckling about that? Well, when you understand the hunters, we have a certain sense of humor, but I was up there and my grandfather was in the casket and my, his wife, my granny Kathy, and her daughter were there. And she said something to me. She had a mask on and she's kind of a low talker anyway. She said something to me and I said, I leaned in, I said, what now? And she repeated it again and I still didn't hear it. And I looked to her daughter, I said, what'd she say? And her daughter spoke loud enough that I could hear. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. I said, I'm sorry, I just don't hear that well. She said, well, we have your granddad's hearing aids if you'd like them. (laughs) What do you have there? I have a fairly family heirloom. (laughs) Uh, Something else as it comes to memory. One of the things that's real neat is that patients with Alzheimer's, you know, one way that they are able, that medical professionals are able to sort of help them cope with it, deal with it, come out of it to some degree is they do music therapy. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but they'll play music from the person's childhood or adolescence and you'll kind of see them come to life. Some will start speaking and it's because that music activates a part of the brain that is sort of dormant because of Alzheimer's. And I know they've done this at Spring Creek and I've seen them do it. It's it's really neat. You kind of go, man, this is almost like a miracle. But anytime I'd ever done a devotional at a, at a nursing home or retirement home, you'd always have some, when you would sing songs, they, you could tell they're there, but they just no expression or nothing. 
But I've always noticed that if I lead a song of Jesus Loves Me, the most stoic of them will revive and sing Jesus Loves Me. And it's like it's real neat of a thing to see. But at least for us, uh, we may have selective memory or not, but I'm glad that God has selective memory. First of all, I just want to focus on some truths about God as it relates to this topic. We serve a God who knows everything. We refer to this as God being omniscient. 1 John 3.20, God knows all things. Hebrews 4.13, there's no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. And Isaiah 49, verses 9 and 10, I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. When we think about the fact that God knows everything, it's sort of puzzling. Why would he choose to not remember certain things? And that's the beauty of it all as to what he chooses to not remember. But Jesus often knew people's thoughts, and he would reply to them based solely on their thoughts. In Matthew 9, verse 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? He answers the thoughts of his audience as well in Matthew <clears throat> Chapter 12, verse 25, Mark 2, 6, 8, and Luke 6, 8. When a woman at the well said that she didn't have a husband, Jesus said, you spoke rightly because you've had five husbands. He told his disciples that Lazarus had died before they even got to where he was. He described the person that would help them set up the Passover supper that would become to us the Lord's Supper. He told Nathaniel in John chapter 1 that before they ever met, he said, I have known you. So we serve an all-knowing God, and for some of us, that's kind of scary. But for some of us, or others, it really isn't that scary. It should bring us to a greater state of humility. The things that sometimes I refuse to say, and I go, man, that was great self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. But I'm like, oh, wait, God knew the thought. It may not have come out, but it was up here. Have you ever stopped yourself go, ooh, ooh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Anybody ever done that? Yeah, well, God already knew what the thought was before it came out of the mouth. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So there is nothing that God doesn't know. There is nothing that, uh, ex of any realm of knowledge that exists that we could say he forgets. However, the scriptures use that very term in the sense of God forgets our sins or something like that. But okay, keep this point in mind. God knows everything, but God also in other passages remembers. God remembered Noah, Genesis 8.1. Genesis 30.22, God remembered Rachel. Then you get to the book of Exodus. God heard Israel's groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So he doesn't forget. He knows everything. But when it says he remembers, it means he's recalling to mind. Not that he forgot, because God is all-knowing. He doesn't forget. But sometimes the authors, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, use words that anthropomorphize, I don't know, makes God more human-like. That's what that word, anthropomorphism or something. John Dale could spell it if you asked him to. He went to college. I, I, I tried. And, but 
they use terms that speak of God as if He were a human. The outstretched arm of the Lord. God repented or regretted that He ever made them. You know, we can better understand on our own terms than sometimes in the heavenly terms. So God remembers. Did He forget? No, He is recalling to mind. Because He knows all things. And in circumstances, He recalls to mind those things that He has previously promised. One of my favorite passages is not when it says that God remembers, but when one of the prophets asks God to remember. And that's in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 2. God is speaking about all the things that He's going to do. And the prophet says, O Lord, I've heard Your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive Your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. And then he concludes with this line. I love this line. In wrath, remember mercy. So there's his prayer to God. Okay, you've told me what you're going to do. You've told me how bad it's going to be. I'm afraid to hear this, but in your wrath, remember mercy. Recall mercy. So if we serve an all-knowing God, a God who can recall and remember everything, it's really fascinating when we read the Scriptures and we read about the God who forgives and who chooses to forget or to not remember these sins. I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Hebrews 10, 17, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. But God, you're all-knowing. But God, you often remember. What does that mean? Unlike us humans, okay, here's, here's how it goes. And a marriage is the perfect example. Even a friendship is the perfect example. So your spouse says to you, why, are you, why don't you do, you know, whatever. You get in a little tussle over the whole thing. And the other one might reply, oh yeah, well you remember back when, when you did this? Y'all know what I'm talking about here? Or your, your friend or an employer, whatever the case is. You bring up something, and then rather than going, I'm sorry, I was wrong, we'll move forward. They bring up something you had done and sometimes in the past. Oh yeah, well you did. Why they do that? I, I don't want to focus on me, I want it to be on you. You're being hateful to me, I'm going to like a tennis player, just... Knock it right back at you. So instead of you focusing on me and my bad, I'm going to turn around and focus on you and the things that you did in your past. Here's the thing. Only humans do that to one another. God doesn't. And if anyone ever has a right to do it, it's God. But he says, I'll not remember. It doesn't mean that he forgets, but it means when we sin, God doesn't go... There you go. I remember when you did this about five years ago and you did it for a whole week and then you kept doing it week after week after week before leading up to it. God doesn't bring that up. We are the ones who do that because we're so petty. So you've asked for forgiveness from God, you as a Christian, and you go and you sin. And what do we think? We think, man, I've, I've already asked for forgiveness for this. God is going to get sick and tired of me. Why do we think that? We think that because that's how we regard other people. That's what we do. So if we do it, there's no way that God won't do it back to us, right? 
You wrong a person one time, maybe they'll forgive you. You wrong them a second time, boy, they're pretty upset. You keep on doing this time after time after time again, cut off. Don't want anything to do with you anymore. We're done. We're finished. We sin. We have a sincerely contrite heart and we say, God, please forgive me. And God forgives. But let's say at some point in the future we stumble again and we go, oh no. He's going to hate me. He's going to get tired of me. He's going to cast me off. But God would probably remind us and say, Remember when I told you that I would not remember your sins anymore? You've sinned. You've asked for forgiveness. You have a clean slate. You sin again? Guess what? It's not a sin being added to the list of sins that you've already had because I've forgiven that. If it's forgiven, it's a clean slate. It's like you did it for the first time. But we think... I know how I would be if somebody did me this way. I know how I would be if I were in the shoes of God. And all that we can say is, thank God you're not. And that He is. It's kind of funny because, you know, some Christians don't want to hear it put this way. They want to hear how angry God will be about our sins and how we're going to be liable to the fires of hell and et cetera and so forth. Um, if that's how you view it, go get you a pulpit and preach it. But when we talk about we call it good news, the gospel, good news. I don't know about you, but anytime I've gotten good news, it has been good. And this is good news. I'll not remember your sins. Twice he says that. Three times if you count the passage that Josh read. God says when you're forgiven, we're we're starting all over. So we say we do the same thing. Now, as it plays out in life, it's going to be different than with God. We can receive mercy with God, but there will be consequences in life. We keep doing those same things over and over again. We have to pay those consequences. But we can be free and forgiven with God, but there are consequences to face here on this earth. So you you can't really think that both go hand in hand. The world is a place that is flawed. The world is a place that is imperfect. But God is different than that. He's not flawed. He's not imperfect. Now, I go out and do something I can be forgiven by God, but guess what? Next week, you might remember what I did. And it might taint the impression or the esteem that you have for me. It may even sever our relationship. You may even decide you don't want a thing to do with me. That's just the product of us being humans and our fleshly bodies being weak. Why do we act that way? Well, We have our emotions partly to protect us. And so when we feel afraid, when we feel unsafe, those emotions inform us, and that's probably why we keep these things 
in the forefront of our mind. It's so that I got to be cautious because I know this person has done that. Now, I know they came forward. They asked for forgiveness. The church prayed for them. God has forgiven them. And I know we're supposed to forgive them. I might just be struggling with that. I'm glad God doesn't struggle with it. I might, but He doesn't. If I'm sincerely repentant and have a, as David would say, a broken and contrite heart, God says, I'll forgive. Do me a favor. If you've got your Bible, open it to Psalm 103. I want you to see this with your own eyes. This is probably one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. I'm glad it exists in addition to these that we've just read. Psalm 103. All right, when you get to Psalm 103, the first verse I want you to look at is verse 10. If you're like me, I mark in my Bible, underline certain passages or highlight them or whatever. Psalm 103, verse 10 is one of those I have underlined. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. That's verse number one. I love that passage. If God dealt with me how I deserved it, how many of us would be in a horrible state? We'd be in the most miserable state imaginable, some of us, if not all of us. I think all of us, but I'll speak for some of us because some of you are pretty good folks. Some of us, we just try real hard, right? It's kind of like when Santa asked me, have you been naughty or nice? I said, I made an effort. That's all I can say. He hasn't dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Look at verse 12 in that very same psalm. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. I love that one. Have you ever measured how far the east is from the west? <laughs> I love that. The reason it can't be measured is because the east from the west, it just keeps going east or west. That's how far God removes our sins from us. I like the idea. I like the picture, the thought of that. So while I may struggle to forgive others, and while you may struggle to forgive others or one another, we can take a page out of God's book, literally, and we can pray, God help me to forgive as you forgive. Number one. Number two, we can praise, God I thank you that you forgive how you forgive. That when I sin again, after you have forgiven me, you don't bring up a record and go look at all these things. I'm thankful for that. I don't know if you're thankful for that, but I'm thankful for that. I mean, up to this point, how thick would that book be? How long would that list be? How many of the same sins would be repeated on that list or in that book? But God says, I remember no more. Another way to put it, God says, I'm not going to bring it up again. I'm not going to bring it up again. So think for a second and just look around this auditorium. 
we know at least one person and a sin they have committed or struggled with. And it's hard for us not to see that person based on that sin, isn't it? But here's what I want you to remember. God doesn't see them as we see them. Have you ever had somebody tell you maybe something that was very personal or something that was very private, and they'll say something like this, they say, now you haven't heard this, but, and then they go on, or they say, act like you don't know, you know, and then you go, know what, right, you play right along. Okay. I think that's sort of how God is with our sins, but there is something I definitely want to point out just so that it's well-balanced and not misunderstood. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, notice this last line, by no means clearing the guilty. Okay, two parts of this. God is gracious, He is merciful, He is patient, He has so much goodness and truth, He keeps mercy for so many, He forgives iniquities and transgressions and sins. That part we love. But the last part of that, by no means clearing the guilty. So we ask the question, who among us is innocent? Who here is innocent? If we've ever needed forgiveness, mercy, goodness, and truth, His patience, His mercy, His grace, we're all guilty. So how do we shed ourselves of that guilt? Thankfully, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There it is. Paul says, everybody's guilty. Everybody's guilty. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but notice how he goes on. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith, that's important, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, who among us is innocent? Paul says, nobody. How do we become innocent? By faith in Jesus. So, we get the concept of guilty, right? What does guilty mean? It means, you know, a charge has been levied against you, and you stand to give an account, and you can say innocent or guilty. Some people lie to themselves and say, oh, I've never done anything wrong. Or we don't regard the small wrongs, that, the little white lies, those small things. Well, that's not really bad. Everybody does that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody's guilty. But the one who has put their faith in Christ has been justified. Justified. I wish we had a better word for justified. Um, someone I've heard takes that and they have made it a nice little pithy remembering kind of remark, and they justified. It's just if I'd never sinned. That's a wrong way to look at it. It's not just as if you've never sinned. It's in the fact that you have sinned, 
But because of your faith, God has acquitted you of those sins. It's not as if you've never sinned. If you never sinned, you never need to be justified. But that's literally what that term in, in its Greek wording, it's a legal term often used. To be justified means to be acquitted of the charges. So you stand before the judge and, okay, here are the charges, innocent or guilty. If we're honest with ourselves, we'll say guilty. Ah. But because we have faith in Jesus, we've obeyed his gospel. Having faith in him, we repent of our sins. We confess Jesus as God's only son. We've been buried with him in baptism and had our sins washed away. We are now a new creature. And so we stand before the judge, guilty or innocent? Well, honestly, guilty. But then our advocate, 1 John chapter 2, Jesus is our advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Our advocate steps forward and says, innocent. I have paid the price. So we stand there guilty, but between us and the judge is the advocate, our Savior Jesus. And because of what he has done, the judge declares justified, acquitted of all charges. We are forgiven. And for those of us who are forgiven, we can walk around and we can hold our heads high and we can say, you may remember, but God chooses not to remember. I take comfort in that. Mainly because the people who would ever hold your past over you, guess what? They're not greater than God. If God is so great that He will forgive and that He will choose not to remember, I'm, feel about me how you want to. I can live with it. But I know where I stand with God. You're not going to judge me. I'm not going to judge you. I mean, you can judge me if you'd like, but in the end, it's God who's going to do the judging. And so if you have a certain view of me, I'm really sorry. Can't take it back, but I can tell you God has forgiven it. I'll face the consequences here on earth, knowing that in the end I'll join the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the glorious kingdom of heaven because His Son died for me. And if you still can't get over it, that's okay. I can live with that because God has gotten over it. And I pray that I walk forward in greater faith than that which caused me to sin. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Be forgiven. Obtain His mercy. Obey His gospel. Come as we stand and as we sing.